the Indigenous Connection Show. My name is Randy Lynn and I'm the host for the Indigenous Connections radio show. Join me as we discuss various topics in regards to First Nations culture, arts, ideologies, and spirituality from both a historical and contemporary point of view. Randy Welcome to the Indigenous Connections Radio Show. My name is Randy Lynn Nanamu Kandalin. I'm 33 years old from the Big Stone Cree Nation in northern Alberta. Uh, however, I was raised right here in Laclabish, Alberta. I moved away for a few years, got my education, and I'm happy to say that I'm back home now. Uh, so my educational background is in Indigenous mental health as well as Indigenous social work. My culture is something that I hold very near and dear to my heart. Uh, it was something I consider myself very fortunate to be raised around, as I know many people don't have that opportunity to be raised with their cultures. Um, and because of that, I found my passion in sharing my culture with other people. So I feel very fortunate to have this opportunity each week to share a little bit about what makes my world go around, my culture, with you guys. Um, so with that, each week we will be discussing various topics in regards to First Nations culture. That includes art, history, ideologies, and spirituality from both a historical and contemporary point of view. And I like to mention contemporary because thanks to good old Hollywood and misunderstandings and textbooks and stereotypes, there's this belief that First Nations culture died out, that it's something that's historical, it's something that's non-existent anymore, which is not true. Uh, rather, we have evolved with the times. And yes, we do hold strong ties to our history, uh, to our traditions, but they are things that we have brought forward into the present time and we utilize as so. So it's important to understand that we are evolving, we are still here, it's, our culture isn't something that just died out with the changing of the times. And with this radio show, it's my hopes that by having these open conversations about First Nations culture, we can start creating a dialogue with explanations and hopefully start to break down stereotypes and building what I like to refer to as a bridge between Indigenous and non-Indigenous communities. And this is how we start to move forward in the spirit of reconciliation. Um, so for those of you who've never heard that term reconciliation, you probably have, but to understand what it truly means, we first we have to explore what forgiveness means. So reconciliation was a term first utilized in regards to the relationship of non-Indigenous, Indigenous communities from the residential school legacy. Um, so forgiveness is more of a one-sided thing. When there something happened and one side or one group involved is ready to move forward, they are ready to forgive the other parties involved, forgive the mishaps and whatever, in hopes that they can move forward. That doesn't always mean that the other party has taken responsibility or offered apologies for their involvement in the mishap. Uh, so forgiveness, one-sided. Reconciliation, however, is an agreement between both or all parties involved that have caused this mishap 
that are ready to work together to take responsibility in hopes to move forward to heal the past in order to have a better future. So that's how I understand reconciliation and that's why I like doing this radio show. It's my hopes to start breaking down those stereotypes like I said. Uh, So today's discussion will be a follow-up of last week's conversation about teepee pole teachings. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. This car's become my long house and you've become my prayer. The air smells of sweet grass. It means I'm almost there. As you show me your rhythms, I'll round dance a love song. I'll play it deep now for your baby. So sing it all night long. radio show today is a follow-up of last week's conversation on the Cree people teachings 
so last week we discussed what a TP was, the history behind it, as well as the TP poll teachings one through six. So today we will be starting up on TP poll teaching number seven. Uh, quick review of the first six. The first one being obedience, discipline. Second one being respect. Third one being humility. Fourth one being happiness. Fifth one being love. And the sixth one being faith. So as we go forward with these topics, I just want to make mention that when we talk about these subjects, this is not just uh, for an indigenous point of view, rather these are universal teachings, understandings to help us live a better life, to help us feel better about ourselves, and to treat one another better, right? So we are going to continue on with TP poll teaching number seven, which is kinship. So what's another word for kinship? Uh, kinship can be understood as family, the people that we hold very close to us, those people that we love unconditionally, that we have a special place in our hearts for, and vice versa, they have a special place in their hearts for us. So what makes family so important? Those are our safe people. Those are the people that are going to love us regardless of the silly things we do, uh, how silly we look. They are the ones that we can ugly cry in front of and have stinky breath and messy hair and walk around in our pajamas in front of. And maybe if you wear a lot of makeup, have a smeared eyebrow and your eyeliner dripping down, you know, girl stuff. Um, but, you know, you walk around your house like that, they might make fun of you, but, you know, they still love and accept you and they're not going to be like, whoa, 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 we can't do this anymore, right? Um, so families are our safe people. They're the people we trust. Um, and... They are very important in our development as human beings. So who honestly can say they've never made a mistake once in their life? Who can honestly say they are 110% perfect? That is not possible, right? No one walking this earth is that perfect. Um, so with that, we all make mistakes. We can all agree on that. We all do silly things. But that is part of the growth process. We learn by falling down sometimes and picking ourselves up. We learn from those experiences of what not to do, right? Um, so when we do make mistakes or we do fall down, we don't feel demonized. We don't feel that shame that can come with making mistakes when we have a healthy support behind us, when we have healthy kinship behind us. Because yes, we made that mistake, but we know we are still loved, accepted, appreciated Ah the end of the day regardless of the silly things we've done um so family is great in helping us become better human beings right um we all have a need to belong regardless if you identify as a loner or you are antisocial or whatever you know introverted Deep down subconsciously, we all have a need to belong. We all need that sense of community, and family helps fulfill that. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, there are children, there are young people who have come from unhealthy homes, unstable homes, chaotic environments. For whatever reason, they don't feel loved, appreciated, accepted. And it's not our place to judge why that may be or what the mental health of their caregivers, that's not our place to judge. 
but it's a reality, okay? So what happens is these young people leave their chaotic environments searching out for that love, that acceptance, that belonging beyond their home in the streets. And I'm going to take a little moment to talk about what gangs are, and I apologize for any triggers this may bring up, but I still think it's very important to talk about because we can't just pretend this issue doesn't affect us when it does. So these people leave their homes searching out for acceptance, love, and they may find themselves entangled with a gang. And there, it's by no coincidence that the gang structure is modeled around what a family structure is in the sense that the older ones take in the younger ones and apprentice them, teach them things. But what's unfortunate in this situation is that these young ones are being taught very unhealthy ways to meet their needs. But the need to belong outweighs that need to be a law-abiding citizen, right? So this is where the issue comes up. And from that, how I feel we can counteract that even in a baby step is by me challenging each and every person listening to this right now to embrace the young people in our lives, embrace the young people that cross our paths. Maybe we're related to them. Maybe we have a relationship with them. Maybe they're just complete strangers that happen to be in our lives in that moment. And that's fine. Just give them a compliment. Tell them they're appreciated. Tell them they're doing a good job. Tell them they're doing right on. You know, a few kind words can go a real long way in a young person's life where maybe they never had anyone uh, assure them that they are doing good, that they are doing great, that it's okay, right? Uh, we were all young ones. We all know how good it felt to be acknowledged by an older person. So, It's my challenge to you to just share some positivity with a young person because, no, we're not going to change the world and fix all that's wrong with it, but in that moment, we're going to make that child feel good and help them feel reassured about who they are and maybe hopefully give them a little boost of energy, courage, and self-esteem that they need to continue on with trying to maintain a good life for themselves. As we discussed the Cree teepee pole teachings, we are on teepee pole number eight cleanliness um so when we think cleanliness i think the first thing that comes to our minds is physical cleanliness washing ourselves washing our hands washing our bodies washing our clothes you know stuff like that why do we wash our bodies why do we wash our clothes because if we don't we'll probably end up becoming really stinky right and we don't want to be ostracized by our peers as the stinky kid no one wants to sit by us no one wants to talk to us because we stink Uh, Why do we wash our hands? And I think this is a really important topic to explore as we are living in a post-pandemic world where we see how easily diseases and viruses and sicknesses can be transmitted just by simple touching, right? Touching of items, touching of each other. So we wash our hands vigorously in hopes to... um, reduce the spread of germs, diseases, viruses, sicknesses. So the example I like to use before we hit COVID was Europe. Let's rewind to Europe a few hundred years ago, um, where people weren't too fond of bathing, maybe once every few years. So people didn't bathe very often. All right. So there's an issue right there. Now, added into that, there was no sewage system. So that meant 
people would do their business and once they were done they would literally take the sewage in their pot and throw it out their window just to land in the street and once it was out there it was really none of their concern right on farmary lives but what was also happening during this time people weren't bathing and didn't have access to flushing toilets was people were dropping dead in the streets literally dropping dead and this was the time of the bubonic plague the black plague the black death and this disease spread so rapidly because it was such an unsanitary time that people were not cleaning themselves, not disinfecting, not doing anything of the sorts. I like to think today in the 21st century, we've learned from their mistakes as we've upped our showering routine from once every few years (laughs) to quite a bit more often to every day, if not every other day. Uh, We wash our hands, especially right now, we wash our hands so much in hopes that we don't spread viruses and diseases and sicknesses to one another. Um, But that's only physical cleanliness. What about our mental health? What about our emotional state? What about our spirituality? Those are just as important and need to be taken care of just as equally as important as physically taking care of ourselves. Um, So what are things that people enjoy doing to help maintain their emotional, their spiritual, their mental state? So let's review a few examples of things people could do. Mental, they could do puzzles, they could read, uh, they can challenge themselves, they can play video games, they can, all these different things, brain teasers, emotional. We could take a moment to just have a good cry and let go of those emotions. We can talk with one another, we can sit and um, just let ourselves feel, we can meditate, we can read holy scriptures, we can do scent therapies such as smudging, uh, essential oils, incense, etc., right? And for our spirituality, we can do things such as pray, uh, make offerings, talk to holy people. We can, like I said before, read holy scriptures, be out in the land, just meditate. Those things can all help us feel good from the inside out, help keep that cleanliness of not feeling bogged down by the day-to-day hustle of everyday life and all of the things that come with it. So it's important to take care of those things as well. So moving forward, we are going to talk about TP poll number nine, thankfulness. So who is thankful that they woke up inside this morning? Who's thankful that you have clothes on your back? Who's thankful that you have access to food? Who's thankful that when you turn on a tap, fresh, clean drinking water sprouts out. Who's thankful for your vehicle in this cold weather to transport yourself from A to B? Who's thankful for the educations that we get, that we freely get, that we don't have to walk four to seven miles each day to get an education? Who's thankful that we live in a society that we are not ostracized for our beliefs, our religions, that we are allowed to practice our cultures and ideologies without fear of persecution. Who's thankful that when we look outside our windows, that bombs aren't dropping over our heads and we are waking up in an active war zone. So in Canada, we consider ourselves a first world country, meaning we have access to a lot of rights, resources, and freedoms that many of our brothers and sisters around the world don't. 
And many people come to Canada simply for that fact that we have such a good life, good life, sorry, that we are able to enjoy these freedoms, enjoy these rights. And if you're like myself, who's been born and raised in Canada, sometimes we take these freedoms, these resources for granted. The reality that, (laughs) yes, life can suck at times, but it's not as hard as some people have it. We take that for granted. And then we get caught up in things like, oh, why is this happening to me? What did I do? I'm a good person, you know, when stuff starts to hit the fan and we don't like it and it goes against what we want right and we start to victimize ourselves we start to get ourselves stuck in this victim mentality that i'm a good person i don't deserve this um but what does that victim mentality really get you it kind of keeps you stuck because when you keep focusing on the negative you're just making life even more harder to embrace So one thing I'm really trying to work on, and I'm not perfect, and I struggle with this a lot, given today's current circumstances, is where we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Um, So when I find myself with that victim mentality that it's not going to get better, I try to switch my thinking from negative to positive, from being angry to being grateful and saying yes okay my life sucks right now and there's it's really out of my control but what I do have control over is to be grateful and I'll take my water bottle for example and take a drink of water and just sit there and just meditate on that fact that I am grateful for this clean drinking water readily available to me at the turn of a tap that I don't have to haul my water so many miles each day just to be able to drink it and from there I start to feel the shift of okay I'm grateful for my water what else am I grateful for I'm grateful for my clothes I'm grateful for my home I'm grateful for my family I'm grateful for my education I'm grateful for the opportunities that have been presented to me I'm just grateful for to be alive in this moment right and it's just so easy to get caught up in the negativity that sometimes we need to stop and just be grateful and when we are grateful we start to pick ourselves up out of those slums little by little by little by little so thankfulness is a really great coping tool with the uncertainty and negativity of life and it's really helpful in trying to pursue a positive lifestyle continuing on with the tp pull teachings we are on tp pull number 10 which represents sharing so who's heard that line sharing is caring i'm sure if you watch barney or sesame street or any of those kids programming growing up i heard i'm sure you've heard that line dropped more than once um but i feel sharing is one of the most simplest and compassionate ways to show to show one another that we care about each other right so for example uh example i like to use with kids when i was presenting these teachings was Okay, you're at the park and you see your buddy and your caregiver happened to pack a bunch of snacks for you and you see your friend and they're looking all hungry and sad and they're, you know, getting to the point of being hangry and you have the choice with all your snacks to say, hey friend, I'd like to share some snacks with you because you have more than enough to go around or you can just 
eat up all your snacks and be like, haha, sucks to be you. <laughs> so I like to say 99.9% of the time when I present children with that scenario, they're like, oh, I would share, I would share. And I ask them, why would they share? And it simply comes down because they care about the well-being of their friend, right? And they have enough to go around, so why the heck not? Uh, so that is one example of showing that we care. So going deeper into that, why do our parents, our teachers, our elders, why do they share knowledge with us? Why do they sit down and talk to us and share these wisdoms with us and these teachings and these understandings with us? Because they like to hear themselves talk? Um, no, it's more because they want us to live a good life and they want us to learn from their mistakes. They want us to be successful in the future and they want to prepare us with the knowledge that we need for whatever career goals that we pursue are general roles that we may want to identify by, right? So the older people pass down their knowledge because they care about us, right? Okay, uh, why do we donate to charities? Why do we give to food banks? Why do we give to Goodwill? Because we care about people. We are compassionate by nature, believe it or not. Um, maybe we can emphasize with the situation where Maybe a few years ago, we were down on our luck. Things were uncertain. And we know how relieved, relieved we felt when people were offering their support to help us dig us out of that uncertain time in our lives. Um, really good, good example. I was actually living in Saskatchewan when that incident of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash happened. And it was big, big news because unfortunately many players had lost their lives and the people who had survived the bus crash were physically harmed in more ways than one, right? So what happened was the GoFundMe page that was set up for the families of the victims of this bus crash actually raised millions of dollars on a global scale within days, millions of dollars. So people all over the world were giving to this GoFundMe page did the people physically know the families, know the victims of this bus crash? No, they didn't, but they could emphasize with the situation. We've all experienced loss in one way or another, and we know how much turmoil comes with it. So I feel it was in the hopes of, in a global sense, that by offering what we could, be it positive energy or even money, that... We are hoping to help uplift the spirits of the family during this time. No, it's not going to bring back their loved ones or change what happened, but it's just hopefully, hopefully helping them through the healing process that, yes, we understand that what you're going through right now is very traumatic, but by offering what we can be in the form of financial assistance, that that's one less thing you have to worry about right now as you grieve through this experience. So again, sharing is one of the most honest and simplest ways we can show compassion to show that we care and love and appreciate one another. And that sh sharing does not have to mean that we know the person personally, that we can emphasize with the people that are around us, with our fellow human beings, right? All right, moving on to TP poll number 11, strength. So 
As I mentioned, I pursued my education in Saskatchewan. So, born and raised Alberta girl, moving to Saskatchewan. What's the worst that could happen? I was like, oh, it's just the province over. No big deal. I'll be fine. Uh, so, my dad dropped me off I, in my new apartment, drove away, and it just hit me like a brick wall. I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so alone. I'm so lonely. And I wanted to back up and just move home and be back to where everything was comfortable. Alberta, where my friends are, where my family are. But I knew I moved to Saskatchewan with a goal in mind to receive my degree, to pursue my education. And a lot of times it was a an internal struggle of, is it more important to reach this goal or is it more important to be around family? I didn't want to give up. I didn't want to give up. So I reached towards something to help me cope. And that was my culture, ceremony. And I went to ceremony and I was speaking to an elder and she, I was sharing with her how I need strength. I need strength to deal with all this loneliness and all this homesick feeling and all of this that's going on in my head, all this turmoil. I'm just wanting to move back home and give up on my goal of getting my education. And she listened to me, respectfully listened to me. But once I was done, she shared with me and the others around that when we pray for strength, when we ask for strength, be it from a higher power, our creator, our God, the universe, however you want to look at that, when we ask for strength in our lives, we are purposely inviting hardship into our lives because that's the only way we become strong is by um, overcoming these metaphorical hurdles, literally having to jump over them or climb over them. And then when we come out on the other side, side, we are that much stronger because of it. So she mentioned maybe instead of asking for strength, ask for courage. The courage to keep going forward when I wanted to give up. The courage to believe in myself. The courage to just keep forward with my goal, regardless if it was a good or bad day, to just keep going forward. And it was like an epiphany light bulb moment in my life. And I've always carried that teaching with me since. And when I think of strength, I think of that. And I think of how we become physically strong. We literally put stress on our bodies where we have to force ourselves to lift these heavy, heavy objects repetitively. Or we force ourselves to run up these hills or jog these long distances because we understand by only by pushing ourselves past our comfort zone that the muscles come, right? The endurance comes. So... We can understand emotional, spiritual, physical, and mental strength in the same sense that we become strong when we step outside our comfort zones, when we challenge ourselves, when we make ourselves do something that's not that we're not used to doing. And we come out on the other side so much stronger, so much wiser, so much more knowledgeable, right? So strength is something that is earned. And it's really helped me reframe my thinking to when I do find myself in a bad situation or unforeseen situation or a situation I have no control over. Um, to not look at it in a negative light at that victim mentality of why is this happening to me versus looking at this situation as, okay, this sucks, but what is this trying to teach me? What is this preparing, for, preparing me for in the future? And I feel many of us can relate to that, that we wouldn't be the people we are today if it wasn't for our struggles, if it wasn't for our persistency to overcome those struggles and come out on the other side. And because we endured that, we are that much more wiser. And 
we are even more empathetic to people who may be facing similar situations in the future. And that just makes us that much more resourceful to help them, right? Because we lived through it firsthand. We have that human experience, which, you know, you can never put a price tag on human experience. So that is teepee pole teaching number 11, strength. The Indigenous Connection Show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Indigenous Connections radio show. We are talking about the Cree teepee pole teachings and we are on pole number 12, good child rearing. So this is a pole I hold very near and dear to my heart. Um, So good child rearing. We consider our children our most valuable resource. Why is this? Because they are literally the key to the future. It's on our shoulders today, today as older people to pass down the knowledges, the teachings, the understandings to the younger ones so that when the time comes for them to pass on the knowledge, they have it, right? It's what we teach them today is what they're going to teach their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. Um so if we want our cultures, our languages, our religions, our faiths, our beliefs, our arts, our knowledges, our schools of thoughts, you name it. If you want any of those things to be passed down, then guess what? We have to teach the younger ones. We have to step up to that role of being teachers and not hoarding this information, but sharing it so that hopefully they will find the passion in teaching the next generation. And that's how these things survive on. So that is why our children are our most valuable resource. Uh, From an indigenous perspective and from my own personal experience, my mother being a residential school survivor, my grandmother being a residential school survivor, my family had to fight to maintain and regain what it meant to be an indigenous person, what it meant to have pride in their culture, as in when they attended a residential school, They were not allowed to feel that pride. They were supposed to feel shame and feel dirty because they are indigenous, to think of their culture as a bad thing, that they would be punished if they tried to speak their indigenous languages. So my mother, her first language is Cree, but when she left those schools, her the only language she could maintain was English. And because of this, unfortunately, I wasn't raised around my Cree language. But I understand now that I'm a grown-up, it's my responsibility to learn what I can about it. Um, But growing up, I did know when I was in trouble, when my older aunties and uncles were getting mad at me in Cree. Totally knew that. (laughs) Anywho, and a little bit about my mother's story is that she left the residential school with what she describes as a hole in her heart, a feeling of not belonging. Uh, a hole that she tried to fill with drugs, alcohol, anger, and nothing ever fixed it. It was always there. It was always a quick fix. And she said the healing actually began, that fulfillment for her began when she returned back to the culture, when she returned back to ceremony, when she started relearning her language and being on the land and just having pride in being an indigenous person that's when the hole in her heart started to heal and she started to feel content and pride in herself because of her experiences as a child she never wanted me to be confused about who i was as an indigenous person to never feel shame about being a first nations person being a first nations woman so she fought hell in high water to teach me 
about my indigenous culture, to take me, to expose me to ceremony and powwows and share whatever she could, whenever she could with me. And I am so grateful that she did that because it pretty much drove me to my career today of wanting to be, wanting to share indigenous culture of other people of all walks of life because I see how important it is from the residential school trying to steal that away it's our time now to regain to reshare all of that so that's why I'm so grateful to do this radio show with you guys and why my culture is so important to me okay moving on to TP poll number 13 hope so when I think of hope I think of two examples um, I think of our immigrant refugee population and what it meant for them to move to Canada from their homeland. Um, back in Saskatchewan, I did work with an agency that helped welcome newcomers to get settled in Canada. And I would often listen to their stories. Like I would share Indigenous culture with them, welcome them to their new home. But they would share their stories, their trials and triumphs of coming to Canada. And what it meant for them was a complete culture shock, a complete change of life where they had to learn how to go to the grocery store, how to use the buses, uh, how to operate in our systems as it was so different from their homelands. This meant that they had to learn a new language. And unfortunately, on top of all of that struggles, maybe having to deal with racism and prejudice all while struggling and literally leaving behind their homes to come settle in this new land and why do people do that? Why would people literally leave their homes, their home country, to come to this new land just to be faced with all these hurdles and struggles to settle here? And I think hope, hope for a better life, hope for a better future. And I look at hope as sacrificing today for a better future tomorrow. And not only hope for themselves, but hope for the generations, for their children, their grandchildren, to grow up with the rights and freedoms that we enjoy as Canadians, to have access to clean water, good education, to not be ostracized for their beliefs, etc. right? So these people are willing to make these sacrifices today in hopes for a better future for tomorrow. I look at our veterans. Um, the reality that they didn't know if they were going to come home when they made the decision to go fight these battles overseas for war, knowing that if they did come home, they're not going to fully come home. They were ready and willing to make the ultimate sacrifice of laying down their life. And why did they do this? Again, hope for a better future. They knew if they didn't step up and fight these battles, then... What would that mean for us, their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, that we wouldn't enjoy the rights and freedoms that we have today, right? So they were ready to die for us to have a good life, right? So hope, what can we do in our generation today for a better future tomorrow? And like I said, if we have it pretty easy in comparison to many people, especially here in Canada, so one thing I think of we could do for a better future for tomorrow is take better care of the earth, right? Um, this earth has sustained life for millennia, yet we are literally the generation that may make or break that, right? And that's scary. And that's scary for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, for the generations to come. What are we leaving behind for them? 
We want these our children, our legacies to have clean drinking water, access to fresh food and fresh fruit, right? But if we don't start being better at treating the earth and trying to live more in balance with it, then we are going to just be leaving behind a wasteland, right? And that's very unfortunate. So hope sacrificing today for a better future for tomorrow. You got the best of me Trapped in your lies and your disguise Stop it, don't waste my time Set me free Release me episodes we have been discussing pre-tp-pull teachings we are about to wrap up our discussion we have two polls left starting with tp-pull number 14 which is ultimate protection so what is a tp it's a home essentially right and let's think of our own homes our homes are our safe places to feel to relax to unwind to just let go of the stresses of the day that we get to walk around in pajamas and have our hair all messy and stinky breath and maybe smeared makeup if you're about that you know those are our places to just be without any judgment people don't get to come in our homes and judge us right those are our places anywho there are safe places um so where was our very first home 
And each and every single one of us have this in common, that we all share the exact same first home, uh, regardless of our age, race, backgrounds, beliefs, ideologies, etc., etc. All those things that make us unique and special, we all have one thing in common, and that is that our first homes were within our mothers, in the womb, right? Um, so the time our mothers were pregnant with us, we consider it to be a very sacred, sacred time in our lives and with our mothers. Regardless of the relationship you have with your mother today, the time you spent within her womb was very special because when you resided in the womb, you weren't influenced by the day-to-day life of stress and chaos and fear and anger and anxiety and frustration and all those things that can go up and down. Um, The only emotions we understood, sorry, only emotion we understood was love. We felt safe. We felt protected. We felt connected. And only emotion we could feel was love, that love, that connection we had with our mothers. Um, I don't think we, any of us, physically remember being in the womb but that doesn't mean we don't carry those memories still with us deep down in our subconscious minds Um, there are things that trigger the time we were in the womb such as listening to drums so a drum is a universal instrument utilized by all tribes around the world not just indigenous people here in canada the united states but all over the world and when we hear the drum i've witness this myself where I see people kind of tapping their feet and bobbing their heads while I'm dancing to drum music and they can't explain why they're kind of feeling the music because they've never listened to this before right but it's because the drum triggers memories of being in the womb and consistently hearing the pitter-patter of our mother's heartbeat non-stop that whole time we're in the womb pitter-patter um so when we hear a drum, it triggers those memories and it makes us feel so good. It makes us, brings us back to that time when we only understood love and we feel so good on the inside that it reflects on the outside and that we feel so good, we feel so joyful that we literally start dancing because of it. Another example, being burritoed. Uh, when I say this, you know, taking your blanket and wrapping yourself up really, really tight like a little burrito, that's com- very calming and comforting to many people, including myself. Uh, going back to why do we swaddle our babies? Because it reminds of being in the womb. It reminds us of being in the womb at the time where we were so tightly in our mother's womb that we didn't have much room to party or move around, right? So does that being so uh, wrapped up so tightly reminds us of being in the womb and it's a safe, protecting feeling because our mothers would protect us, right? And as indigenous people, when we set up our teepees, we understood this connection that each and every one of us had with our mothers. And because of this, the teepee is a representation of the woman, of the mother. As that skirt wraps around those poles, it's like a metaphor of the skirt that the woman wears. And many indigenous tribes around the world, again, the women would often wear dresses or skirts to honor their womanhood. And First Nations people, you see this, you see an influx, especially of us regaining that teaching that when we go to ceremony or we go to round dances or anything, often women will be wearing skirts or more commonly ribbon skirts to honor our womanhood, to honor our connection to the teepee. 
So we say the teepee is the mother. And when we enter into the teepee, we are re-entering into our mothers. And we are feeling the same feelings that we felt when we were inside the womb, the protection, the connection, the safety, the love. So that is why the teepee was the responsibility of the woman of the mother to set up, to transport, to take care of, because that was a representation of her and everything that made her special. All right, going on to teepee poll number 15. This is our last poll. And these are the control flap teepees. Uh, we call them control flaps. So if you ever look at a picture of a teepee, you'll see at the very top, there is an opening. And this allows for smoke to exit. And these, there's two poles that aren't tied up. And these poles in the back can be adjusted to with these flaps in the front so they can open and close. So there was no thermostat in the teepee or windows in the teepee. So by adjusting those poles in the back, you can adjust the flaps to be open or closed. So depending on the weather that day, determined if those flaps were open or closed, right? Obviously on a blistery day, we're going to close them. Hot, warm day, you're going to have those flaps wide open. So those flaps are pretty much this window, the thermostat of the teepee, but they also represent what it means to be in control. Um, nobody can control what you think, what you feel, what you believe, etc., etc. That ultimately is your responsibility. You can't control other people. You only have the power to control yourself. So the control flaps honor that ability to make healthy and unhealthy choices for ourselves. So this metaphor I like to use is, okay, you're walking along, you see your friend, you give them a little wave, and all of a sudden they're storming up to you and they start yelling at you and you're like, whoa, what the heck is going on here? And they're just yelling and yelling and yelling and you're like, I have no idea why you're even mad. So you are left with the choice to react and start arguing back or walk away. Nobody can make that choice for you. You decide what you are going to do in that moment, right? So let's explore those two choices. All right, say you decided to stand there and argue. You don't even know what you're arguing about to begin with, but you just get defensive and you're like, hey, don't start yelling at me. I'll start yelling at you kind of scenario, right? And then you start yelling over each other and getting louder and louder and louder. And who knows, this could escalate to the point where it becomes physically violent, right? And when you're done arguing, I know personally for me, it, I'm a very empathetic person, so it takes a lot of energy out of me. So when I'm done arguing, I feel, I just feel gross. I don't know how else to describe it. I feel so low and so tired and so drained that I just need to go to bed and I can't do anything. I can't process anything. I just need to sit there and be quiet to, to relax, to unwind. And I don't feel good. I don't like how I feel after I'm done arguing. And it causes a lot more damage to me, I feel, than it does to what we're arguing about. And then the reality is that maybe some very unkind words were shared. And this made our relationship a bit rocky. And uh, the reality that I might have to go back and apologize for these harmful things that I said, you know. And it just made everything a hundred times worse by standing there deciding to argue or you have the choice to walk away and what that means is 
you know what, I'm not engaging into whatever's going on here. I have no idea what the heck this is even about. I understand that you are not feeling good, but that is not my burden to carry. And you choose to walk away. And there's power in walking away. There's power in choosing not to fight. Um, because maybe you can give that person time to calm down, time to settle down and rethink and reevaluate why they were so angry. And you can approach them after once they're calmed down and you can ask them, okay, what was really going on here? And it's basic psychology. When someone doesn't feel good on the inside, chances are they're not gonna, they might be angry to other people. They might take it out on other people instead of taking responsibility for the fact that I'm not feeling good. So any little thing could trigger them. So the fact that you looked at them sideways, they thought you were looking at them sideways was enough for them to explode and take it all out on you. And you realize that this wasn't even about me. This was about them. And you guys are able to work together in a healthy way in mending that relationship and that person might be even be able in a place to for for ask for forgiveness to apologize for their actions um again the choice is yours no one can make you stand there and argue no one can make you walk away that's totally your choice in the situation but it's good to learn whatever you decide to do there is a learning experience in each choice that you make meaning you stand there and argue and realize, hey, I don't like how this makes me feel. In the future, in a similar situation, I think I'll do something else and walk away. Or you decided to walk away and go back and actually have a conversation with this person once they're calmed down and you learn a lot about that person, right? So whatever you decide is always a learning experience. And that pretty much wraps up our TP poll teachings. So thank you for listening to that. Hey guys, thanks for joining me. Um, that pretty much wraps up our conversation on the Cree TP poll teachings. I hope it was informative. Uh, I hope it helped under help you understand what a TP was and the differences between different styles of TPs. Um, so if you were interested in these teachings, they're not my teachings. These were teachings passed down to me by Elder Mary Lee of Chittick Lake, Saskatchewan. And if you would like to share these teachings in a group setting, in a classroom, you're more than welcome to. There are printouts, a pamphlet version of these teachings available on Google. All you have to Google is TP Poll Teachings or you could access the Saskatchewan Indian Cultural Center. These teachings through the Saskatchewan Indigenous Cultural Center through their website. Um, it's so important for us to share these teachings, to share these values. They're not just, they don't just belong to First Nations people. These are teachings that can help us create connection, create bonds, and like I said, create bridges with, amongst one another. So I hope you enjoy. Please join me again next week. And our conversation will be the teachings of the medicine wheel. So if you don't know what a medicine wheel is, it's just that circle divided into four quadrants represented by four colors. It's a very simple design, but there are many, many, many teachings associated with it. And that is where I like to pick up next week. So thank you. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week and I hope to catch up next week. Have a great day. And that's the Indigenous Connection Show with Randy Lynn. I like to give credit to A Tribe Called Red for their track sisters that we used in our intro. <laughs>